Do-do-do. Books and things and books and friends. Welcome, everybody, to Questco Book Club, the first of, I, I assume, infinite numbers of book clubs. I, <laughs> dear God. My name is Joseph Lytus. To my left, I have... Delaney Keith. I'm looking at... Jonah Jackson? And... Sarah Jackson. And... Andrew Johnson. And I'm Joseph Lytus. And this is Questco Book Club. I, I know you as a person, but for some reason, I thought that you were going to say, and I'm Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I'm not I Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I've never been, and I don't intend to be, because I'm me. I don't know me. why. I just felt that coming. And being and me, yourself Anthony is... Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> being yourself is Anthony Hopkins. Being yourself me, is Anthony Hopkins. Ursula K. Le Guin. That's oh right. Oh, my God. She's here. We, we necromanced she our way into an interview with the just author. just like me, Andrew. And I'm Alan Watts. And we're going to talk about A Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula K. Le Guin. Ursula, it's so good to have you on the call. I adore you. You were such a, a formative influence in my youth. Uh, my uncle gave me A Wizard of Earthsea probably when I was about 14, maybe 13 years old. So just bar mitzvahed. And uh, it blew my mind. I have sort of translated that mental illness onto all of the people here. So now you all are kind of in my boat. I've sort of, I've, I feel freshly bar mitzvahed. You're freshly bar mitzvahed. You are a man in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> now you guys have all read A Wizard of Earthsea, and you are all just a man in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> I'm probably going to cut all of this. That's, no, that's good. Here, Joe. That's... I'll give you a strong in. You ready? Okay, ready. Here it comes. <clears throat> a Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula K. Le Guin. Thank you very Rick, much. Can you, but can you get a little bit closer into the... Can you eat the mic a little bit more and say, oh, giant? Uh-huh. Did I hit it? That's what Did I'm I looking hit it? for. It looks good that's on my wavelength. This is wizard ASMR. This is <laughs> <laughs> hey, that would be, I mean, here, no pun right intended, here. magical. I am going to, very closely to the mic, I'm going to list off all of the true names of the things. I, I'm close you to can't do that. That is, that is in the wrong hands. That is not what a wise man would do. Hey, let's talk about this book, Joe. I was about, about to say. <laughs> this is not how this intro went in my mind, but it's okay. You had a beautiful intro planned. No, I super didn't. Oh. I wanted to hear it. I didn't know what it was going to be, but this was not it. So we have all read A Wizard of Earthsea, which is a very slim, very powerful fantasy novel by Ursula K. Le Guin that came out, what, when would you say? 68. 68. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's one of my favorites. Uh, I'm so, so excited to hear what, what you all think about it. Obviously, there's going to be spoilers and stuff. We're going to be discussing some of the themes because this is like a true blue, true blue book club. But I'm, I want to take this opportunity to, to beg, nay, to... Implore? To implore our listeners, if you like wizards, if you like life, if you like art, if you like us, if you like the way that we sort of do our shit, or really anything, if you like anything, you'll probably like Ursula K. Le Guin's A Wizard of Earthsea. It is truly beautiful. It's an extremely fast read. The audiobook I hear is, is pretty darn good. I, I think uh, Jonah and... I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, and Sarah enjoyed the audiobook. And... I, I want you to very pause. deep-toned man that just a very deep is like man. every character is the same, but they are powerful. Yeah. They're all very powerful. Go read this book. Find it. As David Mitchell says, drink up this magic, drown in it. And then press play on this podcast and come talk to us about it. Can I add, if you've been bitten with books by about wizards before, like Harry Potter, if you're reluctant to start this... 
it is so different it's in its such a thing, beautiful yeah. way. I had slight reluctance, but I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I did too, because reading. Uh, well, I would say that, I mean, especially if you're somebody who enjoys Harry Potter and, and things of that nature, I mean, this book, uh, as far as what I have read and looked into, kind of kicked off the whole wizard school trope. Oh, yeah. It's the first I've Absolutely. seen of it. Absolutely. Unless you go into reading and expecting British Wizard School, because oh. it's not that. Super not. Right, right, right. It's not British yeah. Wizard School, but it's it is incredible. like it is Wizard School, and it did develop the whole magical school trope. I, from, yeah. from what I've read, it seemed like this was the first really popular iteration of that. Yeah, totally. Uh, which was really, really cool, but very different from Harry Potter. So don't expect Harry right. Potter, but it is definitely like a, a cornerstone of that sort of genre. So if you like Harry Potter, or if you don't like Harry Potter, chances <laughs> way, are. You'll you like, like this reading. book. If you like wizards, if you like magic. Yeah, let's let's hop right into it. Uh, listener, if you want to get spoiled on probably my favorite book of all time, go ahead and keep listening to us talk about it and then go <laughs> read it. But otherwise, you know, pause it, get it on Audible or something, and we're going to hear the opening paragraph by Delaney Keith. Ooh. I'm also going to read the opening quote you'll see whenever you open the book. Only in silence the word, only in dark the light, only in dying life, bright the hawk's flight on the empty sky. The island of Gaunt, a single mountain that lifts its peak a mile above the storm-wracked northeast sea, is a land famous for wizards. From the town in its high valleys and the ports on its dark, narrow bays, many a Gauntishman has gone forth to serve the lords of the archipelago in their cities as wizard or mage, or looking for adventure to wonder working magic from isle to isle all of Earthsea. Of these, some say the greatest, and surely the greatest voyager, was the man called Sparrowhawk who in his day became both Dragonlord and Archmage. His life is told in the deed of Ged, and in many songs, but this is a tale of the time before his fame, before the songs were made. So, what's this book about? <laughs> it's it's short, right? Like, it's surprisingly short, but what, what do you think it's about? It's a coming of age story in, in my mind, you know, but gosh, I mean, it's about, it's about somebody you, you know, from the beginning is going to be somebody in a position of power, but it's, it's not about when they were powerful, but the, right. the journey there, the, the person in their development. And we hear all these huge words right from the first paragraph. We already know it's, it's kind of interesting because it almost takes away some of the unknown narrative quality and is more like a tale. Right, I'm gonna yeah, tell you. Yeah, it's like you, okay, you know that he's gonna turn out all right. Yeah, hey, you know this cool ass dude. Let me tell you how he got started. Yeah. <laughs> what I loved so much about that opening paragraph, right? Because I remember listening right, to it in the audible book and being like, okay, like tell me more, right? Like I'm is here. yeah. To me, we're sitting around a campfire and let's tell a story, which fits into the world right like it feels like I'm on one of these islands in this mm. like island world yeah. you know what I mean it, it feels like a story around a campfire which is to me so exciting mm. versus like so many other things right like I was instantly hooked because I was like oh, I know where the story's going yeah um, I think one of Ursula's distinct skills is 
her world building because I was able to think about this world when I wasn't reading it during the day. I, rem I haven't felt like this about a book in a long time. I've really enjoyed a lot of books I've read recently, but this was one that I would read it at night and think about it all the next day. So the world of Earthsea itself is this massive archipelago. Countless nations, countless islands, all with their distinct cultures, histories, and such that have all sort of grown, uh, grown and developed in their own time, basically only separated by distance and water. So sailing is such a huge part of this world, and so many references are made to the, the sort of separate almost city-states or whatever that just exist on their own because they are across a channel of water. And what that kind of leads to is that there's not like these sort of, I don't know, superpowers that you often see in fantasy, where it's just like, this is Gondor, they control all of this land. This is Rohan, they control all of this land. From the beginning, you are kind of thrust into this massive cultural, I guess, what, what would you even call it? It's, well, it's almost it, very like Greek city-state. Yes. Right? Where it's like everybody has their little piece of thing in their own, their own country, but like you aren't big enough to really have any sort of power to go do stuff unless you're like two countries in this book. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, you're just like, well, there's wizards and we farm. So Ged, we learn, is this sort of village lout. He's this young man. He has a like an abrasive and cold father. His mother has died, you know, way, way, way before the events of the book. And he's just this... He's our protagonist. Yeah. Well, he's yeah, he's a parent, a parent's dead. So, like, gotta right. be. Gotta be gotta the protagonist be. if you got a dead parent. A young farm boy with a dead parent. <laughs> well, a blacksmith's son, actually. And it's sort of described him, like, working hard at the bellows and, like, having, like, this grueling sort of life. Herding goats. Herding goats and sort of growing up kind of rough and wild and sort of impetuous and, uh, I would say, uh, rude. Like, Ged does not start out Captain Perfect. How would you describe Andrew? Since you you you've now read the first three books, yeah, yeah. what it, how did how does Ged start this? Because we are literally seeing you know the beginning, the Freudian origins of this character. Well, so like for me, it's one of the things that I think I like most about this book. Like frankly, yeah, I love Harry Potter. Right? I will be honest and say I didn't read a single Harry Potter book. I just watched the movies because I'm not a huge reader. But, like, the thing that I always struggled with with, like, Harry Potter was, like, that he's kind of just a golden child the whole time. Mm -hmm. And even when everyone frames him for murder, he's still kind of a golden child. <laughs> right? Like, like right. that doesn't really change. Like, there's a lot of learning. I'm, this isn't me dogging Harry Potter. Like, mm -hmm. it's an amazing thing, right? The thing I love about Ged, right, is... Ged is a blacksmith's son, farmhand, gets trained by his witch aunt, who's like, mm -hmm. who's, who's literally like, I, I hate this kid. And then, and then <laughs> he talks to a bird because he heard her doing it. And she's like, okay, well, you might, you might be useful, little buddy. You might have some right? like, magic in you. And then tries to enslave him. <laughs> but right. Like, right. He, he starts off in such like a bright-eyed, bushy-tail way to me mm -hmm. in the book. Like, it's just like, I'm Ged. Like, I imagine him as like the protagonist of Fable, right? Like, like there's gonna, there's obviously like pumpkins in the shot or something in every shot he's in. But like, and I don't I don't know how much we like we want to talk about like what this all happens total in the book and what happens, zone. right? But like, Whatever you, want. you know, he falls. He falls immensely, right? And it's because he's talented. And I think that is such a cool uh, thing that we don't really 
see a lot of because I think us as Americans see ourselves in that, so we avoid it. Right. Right? I feel like Ged is in, immensely talented at the beginning of this book. It, like, in every way. He's, like, root memorizing, like, everything. Even Ojian, who is, like, Joe, you say it best. What is Ojian's uh, moniker? Ojian, he who holds the earthquake on a leash. That yes. one? Oh, yeah. Right. That's his first teacher, right? Right. Is this guy that that's his nickname. And this guy's like, this kid's going to be way more powerful than me, right? <laughs> it's interesting because, like, the first time that we really see Ged, literally within the first chapter, is there is a... They, we introduce him. We sort of see where he's coming from. He's living in poverty. His aunt, who doesn't really like him, is a witch who's very lowborn, not educated, but is, like, the local healer, sees that he has power, tries to be like you serve me now and it doesn't work like the child like she's trying to like bind him to her service opportunistically and he just like it doesn't even affect he's like what are you doing he literally laughs he laughs well I remember I remember in that first paragraph uh, in that first chapter you know immediately all of these things start happening like it the pacing is so good yeah yeah, she does not wait to get to the meat and the heart of the story Mm -hmm. like in the first five minutes I was like wow I got a lot from that already, which is not normally the case. Oh, yeah. When he saves so the there's town literally from an invasion. invasion. And you're like, whoa. Like, that was cool. Going back to the world building, Delaney, you're so transported immediately into the world that she doesn't have to waste time explaining the fields and the flowers and the fauna because mm-hmm. you already know where you are. Like, she uses her words so wisely. It's interesting. It reminds me a lot of Robert E. Howard, who wrote Conan. Yes. Both of them, I feel like, took directly from real-world inspiration and just changed names. I think it helps you with your imagination. Yeah. Because, right, she gives a name of someone, but then describes Vikings. And it's like, okay, I'm I'm envisioning these guys in longships, right? All I needed was the one word, longships. And I've painted a huge picture. Yeah. Because that's like, I can grab. It's where, like, I get so bogged down when I try and read fantasy that is on the dimension of Gusgraxnia. Right. And you're like, is this World of Warcraft? I don't know <laughs> yeah. what's going on. But I love Gusgraxnia. Everyone's got weird names. It doesn't make sense. Like, I love that there's, like, it's so hard to relate tangible. to. Yeah. It's tangible, it's like and I can be like, oh, it's Vikings. Cool. Yeah. I also hate books that over explain like authors that feel like they need to over explain Mm -hmm. to you and I think Ursula is quoted saying something like they will go with you yes I was just about to say Mm -hmm. the thing the distinction that she makes about fantasy and science fiction both of which were like genre titles that she didn't really like you don't need to convince somebody that magic is real they're reading the book because they want to read a book about wizards. Yeah. So all you need to do is make things internally consistent. You have to have an internal geography of the world, and then you don't have to reinvent mathematics, right? It, you don't need to. You can just say through implication, this is the setting, this is the guy. Oh, no, his village is under attack. So get through cleverness and wit and uh, in the spur of the moment, rather than just going off with his his basically the only family and people he's ever known in this tiny little villages to die at the hands running of running off or staying and dying because his yeah. aunt bails she's he's like I'm right. out she's out of she's there she's like I'm gonna go hide in a cave yeah you know rather than just like putting on like a tin pot on his head and dying next to his father in the street he, he thinks like what is the only magic I can really do and he weaves a fog that 
it like covers the entire village and through that they're able to like because the people in the village know the village they can operate pretty well without seeing but the raiders are completely repulsed there's like three or four villagers that die but they fight off like an armed band of like yeah it's 30 like three people. deaths to a hundred kills it's like yeah. insane oh, yeah man. like lead them off KD ratio off the charts you can, i can literally look up in my texts when mm-hmm. i was reading that chapter because yeah. i texted yeah. joe and i was like the imagery Yes. It yep. was like the I way like the mist rolls in and like oh everything and then like how it's like the mist bails out and the villagers are like we did it and then like Ged's dead. Here's the thing. <laughs> and they're just oh like Ged, uh. Ged was strong, smart and clever in the moment, but he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing because yeah. he hasn't had any yes, training right. on it. And he does it and he falls down unconscious like dead to the world except for like shallow breathing. Here comes a giant. An, an upcoming theme that comes through many times in this book. It happens a lot of times. Ged getting totally wrecked. Can I side note us real quick? Since we're kind Wait of like right it. to a place. I wrote down a bunch of quotes when I was listening to this because like yeah. that's how I go through books just in general. Like I went through Les Mis once and I took like 15 different highlighters with me on that journey because it was just like, okay, Hugo, <laughs> say magic words, right? Yeah. And there's a theme in this book that I want to talk about because I think for me, it's why I was like, I have to read book two and three and keep reading until the series is done. Yeah. I feel like I'm just going to use Harry Potter as an example a bunch, so I apologize if anyone really loves Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter, too. I feel like in Harry Potter, right, everything's a time crunch, right? And everything has to happen now, and you have to get what you're getting now, right? And something that this book talks about, especially with the introduction of Ojian or Ogion, or yeah. I only know it as o- Ojian because that's how the dude pronounced it in the book. That's probably Joe correct. grew up reading it, so it's like, whatever. The, the theme of, like, knowledge and patience versus pride and power, and, like, Thank you, Sarah. I love that clap. Um, that little clap emoji in the Zoom chat. It's it's where it's like what I was talking about with Ged. He goes on this like really strange wizard prodigal son story. He is everything. He's the guy, the dude that holds the earthquake on the leash. Is like this is the guy. This is the next arch wizard, right? <laughs> this is gonna be the- literally tells that to the archmage. Like, yeah, he, he like this guy's sends gonna be him the letter, right? Yeah. But he also yeah. like oh giant like. I'm a sucker for the Merlin character, right? In in the hero's oh story, right? I'm, I'm a sucker for old Ben Kenobi. Yep. I'm a sucker yep. for the guy that's like, hey, you have a lot of power. Move slow or else you're going to make a huge misstep. You're going to try and fly way too fast, right? Uh, and that's what Ojian does. And that's what Ged does, right? Like Ged has the moment where it's like, can I leave Ojian? Oh, and he's like, oh, I probably shouldn't. But man, do I just want to be a powerful wizard? Yeah. Right. And like he's that age, and it's like okay, I get it. Right. His return back to Ojian to me was the most fascinating part of the book. Not even going to talk about it yet, but like Ojian quote: "Have you never thought how danger must surround power as shadow does light? Ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, tasty, but also topical. <laughs> topical to life. Yeah. Efficient. To light a candle casts a shadow. There was so much beautiful language around that character's introduction." that I was instantly like, this is, I don't even care about Ged. I was like, I want a giant spinoff story. I want to know how he got his name. Oh, right? keep like, reading. Oh, oh, good, yes. Keep reading, oh, MF. good news. So, but, uh, giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so who's this guy, right? He shows up, Ged is dead, unconscious in this sort of coma thing after saving the entire village and maybe approve, earning his father's approval? Not really, whatever, we'll find out. <laughs> kind uh, of. <laughs> no, we won't find out. Um, 
he's laying there unconscious, and who comes out but, like, the resident wizard of the capital of Gaunt, the biggest city, which is not a very big city, called Rayalbi. And this wizard's name is a giant. He walks up, having heard, like, the tales of this of this magical feat, finds Ged, like, in his coma, and heals him, like, with a word. And this is where uh, Ursula talks about, like, one of the most important factors of Earthsea, which is the person's true name. Ah! Mm. What what is the true name uh, of a person versus like their use name? Because up till this point, Ged's name isn't Ged. It's been Dooney, right? Dooney, and occasionally Sparrowhawk. Yeah. Well, like the there's power in knowing someone's true name, and that when they know their true name, they're like fully known mm-hmm. by that person, and that's how the wizards are able to hold so much power by knowing those true names and speaking them, Mm. which is just deep and so deep on real life. It's a magic of words, right? Mm -hmm. Like- Oh yeah, that's the spells. Yeah, like that's magic. All magic of like, you know, telling a goat to follow you is like using the goat's true name. And similarly, people have true names. To me, it's so a cool. much more intelligent version of what they did in Skyrim with, like, the dragon language. Right. Where it's like, d- the dragon language oh, and the magic doom. they did was just their words and the power behind their words. This is, like, a much more thought-out version that that kind of riffed off of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I find so fascinating is Ursula used ancient methods of magic, lore about magic. I was listening to this Alan Watts podcast who uses Taoism as one of his center points of his philosophy, which is another thing uh, that Ursula Kaligan follows. But in ancient magic, knowing the name, the true name of God gave you magical powers, uh, essentially. So that's why, you know, in science, naming things like plants or whatever, finding the true name meant that you actually had power over it. Over it. Like, yeah. how literal can you make knowledge as power? Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's what I was going like, to say where it's like, this book has a lot of, and I don't think it's by coincidence, but uh, biblical things that it kind of like parallels with in the sense of like, like you were saying with like ancient magic, right? Like, knowing words meant you had that power. Knowing mm. a true name. We can, we still talk about right, in, in many different religions right what a person's true name is versus like what they were called at birth like that's a that's a real thing that's still talked about today my sister who is a child therapist talks about that right like i don't know this is just andrew's hot take let me get out of my own corner here for a second but like i think we've just renamed magic as as the world has gotten older i know that's a fucking weird take but like i agree i think we've just come up with different names for it we're just like oh we know what electricity is now yeah i think (laughs) (laughs) And we call it this. It's a system, right? Like, the idea is that there's this world out there, and we don't really have anything that accurately captures it except it, right? It is so big. It is What it is. What it is. Really. Right. And instead of just sort of gibbering and foaming at the mouth, what we do is we create little nets. We create little words Mm -hmm. that capture meanings of part of it. And we divide this part of it and that part of it, right? Mm -hmm. This part of it that I'm looking at 
is what we call a computer. But what it really is, is a shit ton of silicon and atoms and a whole bunch of other shit that I couldn't even begin to like actually describe mm. unless I just called it the one dumb word, computer. Exactly. But so, if you knew every one of those things' names you and how they work, you'd be able to put it. it together and make it work. That's what right. Well, the true name, the truest IT manager. It's so interesting to think about because we all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Delaney, please. Imagine the magnificence of seeing a sunset for the first time, and then coming up with two syllables: <laughs> sunset. I um, don't know. I, I feel like that's sunset's no, you, not the true yeah. name. Right. <laughs> but like, I love her take on this magic because to me, it's so much different than everything else. Right. It's not just a Latin word. Right. Right. It's it's not just a Latin word that sounds kind of cool and you yeah. wave a wand. Right. Abracadabra. It's like it's this intricate thing that is also intimate. Like, right. Like, yeah, there is mm, an intimacy yeah. to like being able to do magic. And there is like uh, a vulnerability. There is a, a, an exchange. Yeah. Right. It's what it's what I loved coming back to like when Ojian first finds Ged, when he brings him back to life. It is not easy on Ojian. It looks easy, and then when Ged dies the next time, right, <laughs> it kills a man to save him. It kills the Archmage to save him. Right. So like, there's that was the so baddest dude. There's an exchange that was so to do magic, and there's an intimacy there, and I think that is such a. I'm gonna come back to this theme a thousand times, Joe. So just stop me whenever you want. But it's where like knowledge and patience is so much more powerful right. than like what we think of, which is power. When you are patient and you have the knowledge to be patient yeah. and know what things are, then you can take your time with those things. Ojian doesn't need to kill himself to save Ged because he has the knowledge to bring him back and the patience to do it when he needs to do it. So what we're kind of seeing here is that there is a, a way of doing things that wizards, especially a giant, the ones that can do great things, like as he's called, we don't, it's not explained, but he's called the wizard who holds the earthquake on the leash. Whoa, huh. holy shit. We don't know huh. what that's referring to or how, so but cool. that's, that's his reputation on Gaunt, and he's like revered as such, just this, this old man. And of course, as soon as he names Ged and is like, I will take you as my apprentice, and Ged's like, hell yeah, I want to learn magic. They're they're walking through the woods and shit, and Ojian doesn't say shit for like 20 miles. <laughs> days. So like good. days. So just good. Walking through the woods. Doesn't say a word. He'll, he'll just like stoop and pick up like leaves or like look at an animal or whatever, and just like walking through like this giant mountain island on his way back to his hut where he lives with goats and a dirt floor. That's it. Because he's a wizard and, and Ged's like, what the fuck? If I was a wizard, I would live in a castle or a big tower and everybody would follow me or whatever. And and basically, we have this sort of, this realization on Ged's part that a giant can do all these things, but doesn't for some reason. Chooses not yeah, to. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm just gonna like fast forward, zoop, zoop, zoop a no, little bit. No, you're good. Up, up, can, I just give you a, can I give you a Ged quote? Yeah, please. From literally that spot in the book. Yeah, please. Right? Yeah. I love this because this to me summed up Ged and I was like, oh, no, nah, this little shit. I remember thinking it. This little right? shit. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, my boy. And then he said this line and I was like, no, 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 son. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like, what good is power when you're too wise to use it? And I was like, use a dummy. <laughs> that looks like, like an antithesis yeah. to me. But like, also, we've all been there. Right. Yeah. We've all said that in it in one way or another. Well, it's a fair question. Yeah. If if you are impoverished, if if you like, you know, if if raiders come to your house or whatever, you're gonna be like, no, I want to use my magic powers and send them into the fucking ocean off a cliff or something. It's, it's also not like, the ego talking. Yeah. But yes. Uh, 
Ged fucks up. He tries to impress somebody. <laughs> he has an ego, and a young village girl who Ojayan warns him is the daughter of a local witch, a lo uh, sorry, a, lo a local sorceress, gets him basically to break into Ojayan's library and try to find a spell to raise the dead. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. I'm a strong wizard. All I have to do is read this book, and that'll let me do it. Mickey Mouse Fantasia style. And something bad almost happens. Or maybe it does well, happen. Well, he, he, he wasn't looking for that spell in the yeah, book. Yeah, he wasn't. They talked about mm -hmm. it, but he was looking for, like, a shape change mm -hmm. spell. But then he just happened to turn the page onto that one and then was like, I can't yeah. stop reading this. That's yes. right. Yeah. I literally cannot stop reading this, As but his future it had been talked about, but he was, he was looking for something else, but he knew about it and then turned to it. In yeah, the yeah. I also yeah. love that in the book, that event is a whisper of what's about to happen. Yes. Exactly. Oh. And then you yes. find out later from, it's O'Gian, right? That tells him mm -hmm. when he re-meets up with him that he's like, I, nothing actually happened then. Yeah, it didn't right? work. Nothing you happened. just like, what happened was like a preview of what was going to happen. And I think yes. a shadow of the shadow. That was something was hunting you. To you. And and it was going to happen. And it like I, uh, I think that is more than anything what she's trying to get across it is the fact that it is Ged's personal whatever you want to call them. Uh, pathologies, failures, his, this little shit, like that sort of thing. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is that we see in Ged and go, uh-oh, that is what propels the action of Earthsea. It propels his, it, it, his behavior, his mind, what he does and what he chooses with his power is what eventually, like, causes a giant to have to save him then, close the book, and say, look, you're untrained, I have patience, you need patience, but honestly, I feel like maybe you should just go to, to wizard school and see what they can do with you. I know, personally, that you would benefit most sitting with me and sitting in the woods and not saying shit for, like, years and basically becoming like a monk. But I can see that you are hungry and, you know, your ambition lies elsewhere. So I'm going to give you the choice. Go to wizard school on Roke Island uh, or stay here with me, which I recommend. What do you want to do? And Ged, because he is motivated by power and external things like that, at least in this moment, a, a personal need for this, for magic, for potency, he goes to Roke. I was so sad when he went to Roke and chose that instead. I was like, no! Yeah, but also, I as much as I would have read it, that book would have been boring as hell. That's what I was like. I was like, of course, that's the only choice. Yeah, well, because then... Totally. Because then but he wouldn't also, have fucked like, up. It, like, it, like, what I love about that choice, right, is we, the reader, know the right choice because yeah. we know how wise Ojayan is. We know no matter where you are in the world, whether or not you've heard the Arthurian story, right, you know he's Merlin. Yeah. Right. You, you know you do what Merlin says if However, you want to succeed. I will say I hardcore identified with Ged in Same. that moment because No, no, I'm no. Like, yes, 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 yes. You know, being young and, and ambitious and realizing you come from this village all your life. You've known nothing but farming and working for your blacksmith dad. And then you find out you have all of this power, this mm -hmm. immense power. Then you're stuck with this wizard who barely speaks to you, right. isolated in the yeah. mountains. Maybe you see a goat every once in a while. Yeah. Of course you're gonna go to this fancy wizard school you hear about. That's what I was like, gonna say. Like yeah. when you look at Ged's life, right? And you look at like the way he gets treated differently after saving the village. Yeah. Right? Oh gosh, the yeah. the way like 
now you're special. And like when you yeah. think about like when we think about that in America terms, right? It's not that big of a deal because everyone was told they were special. But when you think about it in like medieval terms, <laughs> right? Oh, you're a goat herder. You'll always be a goat herder. You'll die a goat herder. Right? Actually, like, you're your... a kind of a demigod. Like you can yeah, kind no. of just bend reality. <laughs> you can bend reality, right? Like that's. I'm not gonna hang out in the wizard hut. No. How would how would as a how would a thirteen <laughs> If any of us think 13-year-old us would have gone with O'Gian, you're damn wrong. I love O'Gian. I would not have gone with O'Gian. <laughs> There's a moment yeah. when Ged almost when Ged actually considers he doesn't it's not that he's about to, but That's he's like, it. "Oh shit. I just realized I love this I old love man." I yeah. It's like, "Oh shit. I thought I was just bored by him, but actually he's like mm -hmm. very sweet and present and silent and he's just living his life and it's kind of it's not what he wants. It's not Ged's want, but he can see that there's something there. There's something to that. But he doesn't choose it. He chooses to go to Roke Wizard School. It's fucking awesome. He sees Nemerly and all that <laughs> stuff. And here to me, I have to read fucking this. Fucking lit. Uh, so I I have to read this part. Everything that we're talking about, about magic and what magic is and what it is in the world and that strange sort of thing that you don't really see often, which is that not only do like, does like a stone have a true name, people have a true name. A goat has true name and then Jeff has true name. And also magic requires true name and also Frankie has a true name. So what is it that we are also nameable as like an island or some water or a wind or whatever? And this is what it is. When we talk about Taoism, this is what Ursula K. Le Guin is doing with this magic. This is where Ged has gained entrance to the school on Roke and is waiting to meet the Archmage. The court was partly paved with stone, but was roofless, and on a grass plot a fountain played under young trees in the sunlight. There Ged waited alone some while. He stood still, and his heart beat hard, for it seemed to him that he felt presences and powers at work unseen about him here, and he knew that this place was built not only of stone, but of magic stronger than stone. He stood in the innermost room of the House of the Wise, and it was open to the sky. Then suddenly he was aware of a man clothed in white who watched him through the falling water of the fountain. As their eyes met, a bird sang aloud in the branches of the tree. In that moment, Ged understood the singing of the bird, and the language of the water falling in the basin of the fountain, and the shape of the clouds, and the beginning and end of the wind that stirred the leaves. It seemed to him that he himself was a word spoken by the sunlight. Do you guys know the cosmological models of the world, like how like different religions think of what is the universe? There's the ceramic model of the universe, right? The idea that we are clay and God or some God or collection of gods fashioned us from dirt, basically, and through him breathed life into us. And we are like his fucked up little boys running around and sinning and like breaking windows and stuff, right? We are like his sort of puppets, or not, not puppets, but like creations, I suppose. And as such, we are kind of like these um, subservient things that Controlled. we, yeah, yeah, we, we, not only do we owe our existence to this creator, but that, uh, that creator will take away, give more, take away whatever at whatever whim. And our existence is only ever sort of at that, at that pleasure. 
and then atheist sort of or more rationalist or scientific modes of thought began to come into play and they were like well we don't like this ceramic model we want this sort of cleaner more scientific model that we can rely on which is that the entire world is just a collection of atoms there is not a creator and we are the sort of random chance upspringing of these atoms and stuff and as randomly we will be like wiped away by them the world is something outside of us it is dangerous it will snuff us out in a cold uncaring universe and we ourselves are kind of like uh these these little things that don't feel like they belong in it and of it but more are like being embattled by it and surviving and foraging for food and water alan watts kind of lays out these things the philosopher that delaney was talking about and that's like the sort of prevailing western philosophies i think we kind of lead more towards like the kind of atheistic one even you know in, in modern day when people wouldn't uh often identify as such it's just sort of like the world is being inflicted upon us yeah like we are sort of enduring <laughs> it in taoism which is what ursula based this on that everything the universe does us included is holy because it comes from it. You're not separate from it. You are the curly cue on the end of processes that started with the Big Bang or before. And in the same way, Ursula is saying that every single human being in Earthsea, all magic, all stones, all water, everything is part, uh, are, are words in a vast stream of words. And sometimes those words stop. Sometimes that word gets replaced by another word. Sometimes that tree falls down and it, that word is no longer there. But it is all part of this stream, this endless essay, uh, th this huge word being spoken by existence, reality. It and is that, it. It's it. Everything and, is it. And there's nothing outside of it. There's nothing you know, kingly about it. There's nothing evil about it. It is just everything and everything is of it. And this is why wizards don't want to use their magic. Because they understand that as one of the few entities in Earthsea that can actually change and use words to change a meaning of a word, that they are changing all of creation every single time that they use magic. I really love... I, can't, I don't remember who said it, but I love in the book where it talks about... I think there's a diamond and another stone mm. that's brought up. Oh, when he's talking to like the the teacher yes. and he's asking why he can't, why he can't just, just change, change the rock into a diamond right. he's and like, just it stay. Why wouldn't I just change it to a diamond? Like a diamond's cooler. Yeah, why do an a illusion? A diamond's prettier than this. It's worth more money, whatever. The way the teacher explains it is so beautiful and says that because then there wouldn't be this rock, I don't remember what rock it was. Yeah, if the island was made the of same diamonds, importance. The the masters, the teachers, the ones that like are in the highmost positions of power, generally, at least, especially in this first book, tend to be people that are like, I could do that, but why? Like, why would I? Or like, what would that serve it? Mm -hmm. Right. I think the exact quote or something along the lines when he asked that question of the teacher is something like, you know, ask a wizard for his secrets and he will talk of light and shadow and the balance of things was his response to that. I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah, you too. Okay, yeah, yeah I, should, I shouldn't do Innumerable are the arguments of wizards. Because of balance. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the thing that Ged completely fails to understand. 
which is that there is good reason at times not to do things and to do something to change the entire picture is an act of of great moment they say something like rain in the reaches means drought in the farther in, in the west right or or a storm here uh in Havnor means peaceful waters and roke or something balance right like that like that if you do something on one side of the world even even changing a rock to a diamond it could potentially have catastrophic effects on the other side of the world because you have just toyed with the balance right the whole world is precarious and you've just gone oh, i'm just gonna play around over here on this one right and like unless you know what's gonna happen to the other side you shouldn't be playing around with the stuff on this side uh, and to me that's really the lesson that get has to learn the hard way because mm-hmm. b- because he raises a spooky ghost from the dead. Yeah, not a ghost for no reason other than to show off his power and because he's prideful. Yeah, there's a guy named Jasper. He's a real shithead. Andrew always calls him. Uh, what'd you call him? Dickhead? I don't remember. Dickhead. I can, I I'll find him. I'll find him. Jasper. I'll tell you. Yeah, so he's he's the Gary Oak. Yeah, yeah. He, he literally. <laughs> he shows up and he's like. Hi, I want to beat your Pikachu into the ground, and you're like, "Oh, this guy, okay." There's no, always it's, it's one. It's even okay. worse because he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm the son of the Lord from Havnor Port, or, or something like that." And Ged's like, "What would you know of the son of the Lord of Havnor yeah, and what he can or can't do or wants?" Direct quote. Uh, I love it because Jasper never technically says anything rude. Yes! He just <laughs> true. Oh, yeah. true. Ged, and Ged says there is something about him about the way he is that provokes Ged. There's so many things about Ged that are like so worrisome at other points like his pride and his just like truly like unreasonable hatred of like Jasper and you know this this lust for power that like even though and I think that this is such a great thing about the writing is that even though you know from the beginning okay he's going to turn out okay we know he's gonna, he ends up being the Archmage and the Dragon Lord or whatever. So, like, he's gonna end up being a tight dude. Great, love that. But you still get very worried about what direction he's gonna go. Of Is he actually gonna be a good guy? Or is he going to fall down some slippery slope? Like, how far is he gonna have to fall before he can climb back to whatever that is? There are so many points in the book where I was genuinely worried about, like, I don't know, is he gonna do yeah. it? And and even though you're told that he's doing, and it. you're right to be worried because Le Guin comes out fucking swinging yeah. when he when he makes yeah. that mistake. And I love that. So what happens is everybody's a little drunk, a little rowdy. It's after like the I, I think the second year of studies. Ged is like fucking excelling. He's like but the his brightest. Have graduated. It's this up. massive like jubilation mm. festival that only happens every fifty two yes. years. Jasper yeah, fifty two. That's right. Now. Yeah. So so he's seeing other people, including Jasper, get promoted while he's still technically like a first year or whatever. And there's this jubilation, this this festival that ha- what every fifty two years was it? Yeah, I thought it was so odd. I it's loved weird, it. right? Like it's it's one of those things in in Earthsea where she talks about how this is just something that every island does. There's some kind of culture that expands past all the other cultures that there are these little differences, but then everybody seems to have like the same holidays. And really, there's not really I don't think the word god or gods is mentioned once in the book except for referring to the god kings of Atuan, which are just kind of like two kings of the land that raids uh, Gaunt in the beginning. 
but nevertheless, there seems to be like a kind of religious fabric throughout well, don't all they, of the different archipelagos. This may be me misremembering, but like, don't they mention a creator? Ah, or, so or, like, or creating power? So there was all they say is that Segoy spoke the first words, and then the the first island, Ea which Delaney read, the, the creation of Ea, the little poem at the beginning of this, uh, came out of the water. So he fucks up. And he does it because it's this jubilation, everybody's a little drunk, and the, you know he, he has this ambition to be the greatest fucking bad, bad boy sorcerer of whatever, and his rival was just promoted, and Ged still has to wait for his promotion, despite being genius wonder kid. So and he- Jasper does challenge him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And also, can we mention our boy Vetch at this point? OG. Vetch! The icon. I love him. The icon, the dude that's like, hey, let me hold your pet and y'all stop fighting. (laughs) Yeah. The absolute (laughs) lad. Also, Ged gets a cute pet and it's really nice. Its name is It's like a chipmunk. Yeah. I'm an Otek. You're an Otek. And Vetch is like, give me the Otek. We'll be friends. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like, Vetch to me is a dog person. Yep, He's just for like, sure. here, I'll yes. hold your dog while you yes. do something stupid. So Vetch is like <laughs> I don't the care one, if you get hurt. is like Ged's one actual friend. Everyone else is kind of love... afraid of him or, you know, irritated by Ged, intimidated by Ged. Vetch is like, I like you. You're cool. Hang out with me. And don't mind Jasper. He is a tit, but I like him too. <laughs> I love the moment where Vetch stands in between of the two of them. And he's like, will you leave this foolishness? Yeah. Like, come with me. It was never... I'm not going to be your friend or like nothing was ever petty with him. Benvolio. Yeah. There's something Ogeon about it or a giant about him too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree with that. Um, and I think it's, I think it's kind of what we're supposed to see a little bit. So Ged, just to, to bring this to its folly, to its conclusion. And I hope listener that you've read the book till now, cause this is fucking awesome. All of this sort of buildup of Ged making the wrong decisions and the audience going, Oh dude, not great. But also I want to find out what happens is this he cha- uh, Jasper challenges him and Ged says I will summon the spirit of the most famous beautiful woman basically Helen of Troy Helen of Troy yeah uh, yeah I will yeah. bring her yeah. from the fucking netherworld to come and talk to you and then you will know what true wizardry and power is because it's me motherfucker and watch <laughs> <laughs> and he does oh, it but I love he that he does it the thing and something else comes back with her from the other side. Ugh. It horribly wounds Ged. Yeah, I think it just hurts him, right? Like nobody yeah, else it dies. Just, it Vetch latches tries onto his to face. run and help. It latches but, onto his face yeah. and yeah. tries to like basically suck his soul out, killing, like digging, it scars flying, him, like physically and also spiritually, mentally. Wizard. There's there's like the implication that it's trying to eat his magic or something. And try to take They're him trying over to eat so it that it. it can like possess. Trying him. to eat yeah. it, it. And then the archmage, the guy that we just met. That where Ged like understood what the birds were saying just for a second he saw the matrix he saw the towel <laughs> shows up and gives his life to keep Ged from slipping into the other world and dying for good this is the archmage the most powerful man ostensibly in the entire yeah. world giving his life to save this first year who hasn't even earned his sorcerer's you know robes yet and does so without any explanation he just passes and just like that there's a new archmage Ged is unconscious. He can't move. He's he, he's unconscious for like months. months or whatever. He's being tended to very slowly. And the world moves on. Vetch becomes a wizard. Jasper goes somewhere. And people <laughs> begin like to just live their lives as Ged has completely fucking maimed himself. And 
the thing that attacked him so brutally is still out there in the world. It's been driven off Roke. We don't know where it is, but it's out there and it's waiting for him somewhere in the world. When Ged wakes up, he's a shadow. He's a shell. He's injured. None of his friends are, are anywhere near him and he can barely like walk or move. And even to do magic where he was so confident, like his voice shakes now. Or- I adore that moment in the book because of the moment that happens as he's summoning the undead. When he like, she ha- she gives like, she she wrote this like, to me, the scariest part of the entire book, which is the thought that Ged has when like, he does all of this stuff to show off to Jasper, and then he has the moment where it like switches in the dialogue, and it's like he doesn't even care about Jasper anymore, right? Like it's not about Jasper; it's that he can do it, and he has the power to do it, so he should do it. Like, like yeah. he very quickly like shifts into this like very very dangerous mindset. It's almost demonic. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's and, and I and I do think I do think it is to somewhat mimic what is pulling out. I think, and I think we'll get there, right? But, like, I do think that line of dialogue is directly linked to the thing that comes out of the abyss. But I love that that's the last thing that happens to him when he's conscious, is that thought. And then, when he wakes back up, he is a broken character. A lot of times, authors are too safe with their characters. Yeah. And they're, like, too precious, and they have plot armor. And like now, run him through the wood yeah. chipper. Ged Ged has plot armor. He does right. Like to some extent, he does have plot armor. How hurt he is and broken. It's not only, oh, I'm scarred physically. I'm scarred magically. The thing that set me apart from other people, I no longer have that anymore. I'm basically just a farm kid again. I basically don't have worth. Worse, right? Because he also is physically weak from yeah. months of like laying in bed. Same, bro. Um. <laughs> And also, the archmage is dead, and it's his fault. Yeah. Ged says something like, so he gets summoned to talk to the new archmage, a very vigorous young man named Gensher. Also, it's at this point that you realize that everybody in the book is non-white, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> everybody's, like, coppery red, or, or Vetch is from the East Reach, and he's black, like, sub-Saharan African. We're in the Mediterranean. Except for the pillagers. Oh, yeah, the pillagers the from pillagers the pillagers at the beginning are white, yeah, and, and they're blonde. the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. They're all, all blondies. But Gensher, if, if Nemerly was this very old archmage, then... Testament to Ursula, because she was writing in 1968. Right. Yeah. And, and purposefully yeah. did that, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think you realize what Ged, you know, skin tone is until, like, chapter five or something like that, which is, like, 60, 70 pages in or whatever. Anyway, uh, Gensher shows up, and he's like, I'm the new archmage. I'm young, I'm strong, I'm smart, I'm a wizard, and I'm going to be around for a long fucking time, and it's your fault that Nemerly, the greatest wizard of the, of the world, is dead. And Ged says, better that I had died then. And Gensher says, fuck you, how dare you say that? <laughs> Nemerly gave his life for yours. Right. Who are you to say that, that you should be dead instead? Really think about that. And that is honestly the kick in the pants, I think, for Ged to start thinking about all the shit that people have been trying to teach him since since a giant which is like what are what are you about mm-hmm. like what are what what are you trying to do and i'll go back to what andrew said too earlier about him being him losing everything essentially i don't think he would have been able to have the hero's journey he had if he hadn't lost it so dramatically yeah for sure i'm a sucker in D for early levels i love them I love characters to be weak. 
right? I think I think it's people have to think more when they're weak. You can't just be like, I'm the strongest thing in the room, so I beat its face in, right? And I win, yay. This, to me, is really the start of his prodigal journey. He comes to, he comes to the Island of Mages, and he's like, hell yeah, I'm the motherfucking best. And O'Giant, you know, the baller, he says I'm the next Archmage. What's up? Beep, beep, beep. I'm shooting off fireballs, right? Like, and he's having a great time. And then this happens, and we have, like, at least in this book, fallen as far as we can. And it's, uh, it's beyond it's like unbreakable, right? You know what I mean? Like uh, beyond a breaking point, right? Like I, I truly think if he had fallen any farther, foreseeably Archmage wouldn't have brought him back because he would have known, right? I, I love how like omniscient the wizards are in this book, like the high up ones are. Yeah, yeah. That it's like you have the wisdom to know, like, but he could still do great things, right? Like I so, also yes. love they don't really treat him differently. In a class setting, you know, it takes him longer to learn after this happens to him. It takes him more time. He has to go back and relearn things. They don't ever treat him differently. They're just kind of like it's only like the younger students that are like that are like, oh, he's weird. Oh, this old man that's like studying with us. We have a thirty-year-old in our high school class. No, I know, but But you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. But even the Harry Potter complex, they don't do like they don't treat him like he's a chosen one. No, either. It's, it's like, a v- very realistic. That's what I love because to me, that's not what the book is about. No. Exactly. And so it wasn't relevant. Like this book is such a journey. I hesitate even being like, this is a wizard school book because we spend a chapter and a half at wizard school. Right. Y- you know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah. like, and it's yeah. gone. Like it's really cool and it's an awesome concept, but it's like, it's like, it's not about that. It's about this prodigal journey that get is going to go on to find himself yeah. and figure out who he is. I do have to say my one of my favorite parts in the whole book happened in this section when Vetch comes to visit Ged finally oh. after oh, um, he's kind of allowed to in a certain way. Like his friend, like people were say, told essentially like, give him space. Like you're not supposed to visit. Yeah, you can't go in there. Yeah, just don't. Um, and finally Vetch visits and Vetch asks him to come with him or and visit him. And my favorite moment in the book was when Ged stood up and Ursula talks about how there was a shadow behind him. Oh. And Gad looks at Vetch and he's like, but tell me, what do you see? Like, what was it, Jonah? You, uh, it you... was like, what do you see before you versus what do you see behind you? No, tell me, when you look at me, what do you see behind me? Because he's so broken from the shadow. And then it was like, oh, well, literally, of course, there's a shadow because that's how shadows work. But it was just so yeah. haunting. It was so yeah. good. Yeah, he he's like trying to get him to like look forward, look forward. He's mm-hmm. like, but look at what's behind. Yeah, me. Ged is is at the lowest of his low, and who comes to his side? But like Vetch, the most stalwart guy, the the guy that didn't judge him to begin with, and doesn't judge him now. Yes. Not only does he show up to like give his support and, and give over his little pet, the Otak, and say, "Hey, I've been I've been feeding him." He, I'm a he dog mis- person. Watching I've, I've dog. been watching your dog, your your chipmunk. He also tells Ged his true name. Vetch gives Ged the single greatest gift that anybody can give, which is literally like your soul, really, like the word that is your soul. And it, it signals entire trust, entire forgiveness, and in really entire like hope that you, you are who I know you are and you, you will be who I know you will be. Such an intimate thing, right? Yeah, in the same way we talked about the oh intimacy gosh. of magic in this book setting, but like also like. You, you like it is him giving someone it, it would be the equivalent of you giving someone complete power over you 
Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Like you have the power. You can puppeteer me. Yeah. Right. So there has to be like a hundred percent trust there. Yeah. And so like every time this happens in this book series, right? It is so interesting to look at, like analyze when it happens, why it happens, and like who initiates it. Right. Yeah. Like, right. I I love that uh, you also have people like because um, we didn't really talk about this with like oh giant and like wizards naming people, but like that it is not necessarily just a wizard giving you your name. Yeah. Like, that, that's what we call it. But like what it is really is someone that is so in tune with magic that they know your name without having to like be taught it. Right. They can like see it because we see that in the, in the later books without me saying anything. Right. Yeah. But we see characters that are like, I just know your name. And it's such an interesting thing. Every time Ursula brings it into the book, because every time, it means so much that the vetch doing this is what is one of the things to me that I think allows Ged to move forward. Yeah, totally. Yeah, all. that's what I was thinking. I think that it really impacts Ged, and we see that it impacts Ged because he then is catapulted forward. You know, he's like hopeless before, and yeah. then vetch sharing his true name is like, yeah, the trust that's placed in him. And the love, really, like the love that Truly. he didn't feel worthy of is the thing that allows him to be worthy of love, which is crazy. I think it brings up like the big theme to me of one of the reasons I love this book is part of the human journey is to want to be known fully mm. and truly. But yet the fear that also combats that massive joy of being known fully and truly and sharing that with someone yeah. is such a, a yin-yang battle within your own soul. Um, one of the things Jonah says to me all the time is like, I see you, especially when I start to freak out. <laughs> like Jonah's just like, I see you. And it's a very comforting thing, but it's also that moment where there's only so many people in your life that you can let truly see. Yeah. Like Vulnerability. That. And the people yeah. who are brave enough to be fully known. The key to happiness and fear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. That's what my big takeaway was at the end. Oh my of god! The book too, but yeah. we're not there yet. <gasps> we, we that can, end quote. We'll we'll probably do this quick, like <laughs> the Bala journey. We'll we'll, we'll 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 skip through like all the the stuff of the Terranon and all that stuff. Yeah, but read the book. Essentially, Ged is a dope ass wizard. Not only does Vetch trust him with his name, the wizards of Roke also begin to trust him. It's not like you fucked up forever. It's like no, we we see you, we understand you, you fucked up, and we see that you're changing. And they end up giving him his staff and a small wizard ship on an aisle uh, near, uh, I, I think it's called um, Crunkus Dilly. Uh, no, it's yep, not. Yep, that's it's, it. That's 100% it. Yep, yeah, it's Crunkus Dilly. He makes friends, and he has all like these sort of travails as he you know, basically learns what it is to be a wizard of this craft and basically to go around helping people or to be like the local healer, the local helper, the local, you know, bless the houses, bless the, the thing. And he ends up dealing I with a dragon person. problem because he's because he's fucking strong. We, we don't need to go into it. But he tries to save a child and he can't. He tries to save a child. He tries oh. to save his friend's child. Oh, that's so hard. And it, the fact that he, that he can't save the child and then immediately after goes and like kills when the multiple father dragons. Is like I didn't realize how powerful you were. Yeah. Or you're more powerful than I thought after I, he didn't save his son. Yeah, I didn't oh. realize you were so powerful. Oh. You could kill dragons, but you couldn't save my son. Um, and that's when I said why but I'm leaking. That to me, 
is such a good example at the of like the cost of magic in this world. Yeah. Right. Totally. Like oh we gosh, talk yeah. about like like D and D terms. Right. People throw spells around like crazy. And it's like Ooh. I wish I had more spell slots. Right. Like yeah. But like, no, it's like <laughs> insane. But like, if you look at like Ged, right? Like uh, later on in the book, right? Uh, we talk about the the dangers of shape shifting because you can get stuck in it. You can get stuck. You can beast morph and get stuck. And like, it, that's a very very important concept in the book, and it comes in very important later. There's a difference. The polymorph only lasts for an but hour. But there's a difference in the exchange rate between that and a soul. And yeah. what it takes to pull something back from the ether. And I also, I'm sure like the only way would be to ask Ursula, but like I am curious if Ged lacked the ability or was too afraid to contact dead. It's it's an interesting question, and and I think part of it is also that this entire time during this his sort of pilgrimage and figuring out what it is to be a wizard, he is being hunted. By the shadow, and knows as soon he as he leaves Roke, yeah, he's no uh, longer under the protection of the masters, and he is being hunted, or it is at least somewhere in the world, and he knows that the thing that he loosed is after him, mm-hmm. and I think at least part partly the thing with Petchfairy's son, where he's he sees the little boy's spirit go sauntering off into the afterworld, like running towards death and the unknown, and Gad is like, I'm I'm gonna try to catch this kid. He realizes that waiting for him on the side of life is the thing. I think that's another of his classic I fall down and I'm dead but I'm not kind of moments. <laughs> Chalk up another one of those on the on the scoreboard. I think that's it's either number 3 or yeah. 4. Hey, he knows when to do them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, you, you get him at yeah, the right after times. After the dragon fight. You just go comatose for a little while and it's like, "Whoa, hey." And but that let, lets him know that the shadow is following him mm-hmm. and he is literally putting the villages that he stays in in danger by staying there. So then he decides, I'm just going to have to keep running, and I can't stay anywhere for (laughs) a long time. Yeah. He tries to go back to Roke. Literally, the winds won't let him get back into the harbor of Roke because because they know. It felt very very Jonah from the Bible. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah. I loved the explanation when he realized what was happening. It wasn't the island keeping him away. It was the island keeping the the thing was so close to him. Mm -hmm. It was so hot on his heels that it was keeping the thing away and he just couldn't make it in. Yeah. And like yeah, how terrifying magic. the hunt becomes in this, in the, in the last half of this book. Right. Cause yeah. I would say like, or, or last two thirds, right. Let's say we spend like a third before we unleash this thing. Exactly. And then mm-hmm. the rest of it is a hunt. It's literally predator. Oh, he's being chased <laughs> right? by this awful sort of consequence of his actions. Literally, the thing that he, you know, fucked up in doing is the thing that chases him and propels him away from people. Yeah, his sin is the thing that drives him away from people for their own benefit. And if he is near them, they're in danger. Until he has all these adventures, you meet, you know, a whole bunch of people, including the, the daughter of the sorceress makes another appearance, although it's not quite clear. It's, it's, it's a little Easter egg for you if you're paying attention. Okay, well, let's just skip right over my boy Skior. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Skip, skip over Skior, it's fine. Well, so Skior. the thing is following him. And what he realizes is it's literally able to take other human beings and hollow and, them out and hollow them oh. and ride them to him. Oh. And oh. one of them so good as Skewer does so. 
I I love the slow reveal of that in the book though. Cause you're just like, oh, it's quiet Viking man. And then it's just like Nope. Oh oh no, no, it's not. Oh no, it is. It's not. a hollow out eye man. It's like oh. mm-hmm. So so he is being driven and all all along he's being driven by this question. Does this hang- thing have a name? If I could just find its name, what is its name? The dragon that I, you know, basically threatened to stay where he fucking is or else that I would kill him told me that <laughs> this thing has a name. The the archmage says it probably doesn't have a name. I think it has a name. Does it have a name? If only I knew its name. And when it finds him, it says his name. It knows his name, yeah. It knows his name, and all he can do is physically run. And there's all these travails, and he meets, like, the sorcerer's daughter. There's the court of the Terranon, which is a whole other thing. It's like a weird power oh. under the earth. Basically, like, magic that isn't from a wizard or a witch, but just kind of, like, in... Just old, old, old magic. Thing. The great old Back magic. Back when Aslan was Small around side magic. Note. <laughs> that whole subplot just read like an episode of TV to me. Truly. Like, if this is not the new Game of Thrones, I don't get it. <laughs> like, that was when I was like, I'm so determined to see this on film one there day. Was a, because it's going to be there amazing. There was an incredibly whitewashed, horrible version that she despised uh, and wrote like six or seven awesome essays in which she's like, Scaling, look, yeah. guys, no, I had nothing Studio to do Ghibli. with this. It wasn't Studio Ghibli, no. Oh, um, no, it wasn't that one? No, there's multiple. Well, no, Studio Ghibli, she wasn't a huge fan yeah. of Studio Ghibli one because of the key things that got changed and she was like well not crazy about that but the, the other yeah, I have one no idea of the other uh, one. was way it, worse. Well that's why it's been wiped from memory because I think she obliterated it from orbit <laughs> that's um, awesome. because she was a fucking queen Ursula K. Le Queen he's, he's tempted it. basically to sign on to this weird old stone in the bottom of a castle that's like I can help you fight the thing that follows you and he's like no that's also gonna be bad for me <laughs> Can I th- can I throw this out real quick? I know yeah. we're like ripping through this book, but like um, I love both the parallels between the Terranon stone and the dragon because it shows oh, Ged's yeah. growth into wisdom. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It shows that like the dragon's like I could tell you its name, I could tell you its name, but you would have to like like there's a bargain being there's made, bargain. and he's like I know not to bargain with dragons. Price. Right. I have to keep my power over this thing, or else. It's going to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> right? If I become not a wizard with this thing, I'm done for. Same with the Terranon. He's like, but I, I feel the magic that's coming from that, and it's wrong. And even though it could solve my problem, and 13-year-old Ged would be like, sure thing! Yeah. Right? He's like, no, 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 no. I can't. You can't. No one should be talking to this thing. Nobody right. should be talking to this thing. And it's what helps him sniff out that plot. We're starting to see, like, the growth of his wisdom, which I think prepares him for what happens when he returns. So he runs and runs and runs and takes the form of a bird at the last and flies to Gaunt. That scene! Well, before bef- the the impetus, the, the thing that causes him to, you know, turn, turn into the bird is, you know, he had washed up. He didn't have a staff anymore. He didn't have, like, anything. Uh, but he goes outside of the, the walls of uh, this this palace that he'd been staying at. Uh, and, you know, when he had woken up from uh, coma number five, I think, but he, he when he woke up, he realized uh, that how the Otak wasn't there, uh, much to Sarah's um, dismay and um, deep, deep sorrow. I'm not over I it. I felt dismay too. She doesn't pull punches. No. Thank God. Uh, but so as he leaves and is being chased by the guards of, you know, Lord who has been, you know, hosting him, 
uh, you know, he runs out and he he finds the body of you know Haug the Otek, and also the fact that there were these wild shadow bat things that were also chasing him at this point. He's fleeing, um, yeah. Well, weren't he's, there yeah, like he's fleeing from all like, of these things? Uh, and maybe I'm misremembering, but isn't it like the the court? like lowly like court magicians that turn into the shadow bats that are chasing them basically the underlings of this old yeah, yeah, yeah. power the Terranon are all like, like get back your here shit up. You're it's tasty. a crazy wizard bat chase yeah he plucks a blade of grass from the ground as he's like holding the corpse of his you know longtime pet familiar who he's had for all this time turns his blade of grass into a wizard staff turns himself into a hawk and proceeds to wreck shop and then run <laughs> yeah. yep Fly, fly as far as he can, as fast as he Losing can. Losing his mind. Yeah. Oh, because when you turn yes. into an animal, you run the risk of just becoming an animal because you're changing your true name. And where does he go? Fucking My boy. My O-Giant. boy, he flies O-Giant. home. He flies home. He returns home. home. And I'm going to argue that that's probably the last place he wanted to go the entire story because it's where he's most probably feels the most amount of shame from what he did at the school. It's but why O'Gian... I love that in his bird form, he flies to O'Gian, the person yep. he would probably, like the person he would want to most see, yes. but like doesn't want to see. The right? most like, accepting. The... It's the prodigal son seeing the father, right? Like, right. like it's literally that moment. And I love how it's presented in the book because you don't, like you infer Right, you can infer that this bird that meets O'Gian, but literally the chapter starts and it's like O'Gian's in the woods. He's and you're like, around. you were just in just this epic out. battle, and then it's like, and then O'Gian's feeding his goats, and, and a bird comes and lands. And the bird looks pretty bad, and O'Gian's like, hmm. Well, I'm a character that doesn't speak a lot, so I don't have really any dialogue. And he's like, I only speak when it's important. He says, he says, he says, I think I named you. Yes. Oh shit. Incredible. He has, I think he has something earlier where he's like, wizards don't, like, he doesn't speak much, but when he speaks, it's with importance. And it's like something that needs to be said versus like, I'm just talking to hear myself talk. And I loved that concept. Well, he's living that, that Taoist wizard philosophy. Yes. Whether it's magic or speech. Right. But he brings, he brings Ged back from being a, a, a hawk and revitalizes him and revives him. Yeah. And takes care of him, and then says, "Talk." They talk about the the spirit that's chasing Ged, and uh, Ged talks about pretty much how his life is hopeless, and he's just gonna run forever. And O'Giant to me says, "What should be the title of this book? <sighs> right? What should be the title on everything?" He says, "You must turn around, turn around. Oh, uh, uh, stop running away. Stop running away. Yeah, like he like he literally infer like he gives Ged the information that in running." He is giving the thing power. power. And it is when we start to realize the thing chasing Ged is potentially of Ged's own creation. Yeah. That's or at so least good. its power is yeah. of Ged's own creation. So we're going to have to call it in just a few, unfortunately, because I, I love this. And I, I just want to get to the end. That Ged, no, I know. I'm sorry. I no, no, no. It. Guys, I, I wouldn't change a single thing about this record. You're a liar. And we got 17 more comas. A, a couple those. more comas. There, there's a couple more things, but Ged eventually begins to chase the thing. And he becomes the hunter. And meeting it out on the open water, it turns around and flees from him. 
And then be- the book goes into fucking overdrive yeah, as he does. chases it to the end of the fucking earth. He sees Vetch. They all hang Vetch, out. Yes. Vetch has a cute little sister. They talk about magic and Taoism. <laughs> he just knows her name. He just he knows, knows her, her name. name. He like brings it up accidentally in conversation. Yeah, she reminds me of like a willow tree. And Vetch is like, you know, her true name is Willow, right? Right. And, and Ged's then, like, oh, oh sorry. But that's and why O'Jayan like, was like, Ged's gonna be the best. Because he's fucking in tune. Because he can see names. Yes. So he cha- So he chases this creation. His own death, Vetch really. Vetch insists on going with him, by the way. And they, a boy. they, he's they the sail best. beyond the island known as Last Land. Because beyond it, there's no more fucking islands. It's just ocean. And magic stops working because you don't know the names of the things out there. The winds aren't the same. And they keep sailing out into absolute nothingness. Just water, water, water. Where no one has gone before. And Vetch is like, are you sure? And he's like, yes, (laughs) my shadow is here. I love Vetch at the end of this book. (laughs) He's just like, like, you sure? And Ged's like, yeah. And he's like, Okay, fuck okay. me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's literally, uh, he's literally uh, lethal weapon. Uh, I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah. And then yep. he does it. I love it. So Ged chases it to the dry land. The land that is where he saw the little boy running away. Petchfairy's son. The land, essentially, of the dead. Where there is a low stone wall uh, that separates our world and the world of the dead. And he confronts his shadow. He confronts this thing. He still doesn't know its name. And when he reaches it, it finally stops running and begins to reach towards him. He names it Ged. He names it his own name. And it's not that he, like, realizes its name. He names yeah, it. I think so. Or, or, or claims it, right? Claims it, yeah. Claims it as a part of his claims own Claims what soul. he feared, I think. I think he knows it's him. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, 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 the end of that book is so open up to interpretation, but I think like I think part of the 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 dialogue between him and Ojain of being like you have to turn around and like face the thing and Ojain being like everything has a name. Everything. Right? Like everything does. I, I think I think there's some part of him that by the time we've gone through the most beautiful chapter in the book that I can think of, which is when he's alone on the island with the two old old people because it's incredible it's just an incredible chapter we don't even talk about it but like just read the book please read the book I beg you to read the book by the time he gets there like to me listening to it it felt like two people uh, two old friends meeting weirdly enough right and it shouldn't feel like that after all the hunting that is in the back half of this book right but it felt like two old friends and I think it's because at least for me and where I am in my walk in life right to me, it felt like Ged accepting his faults. Yes. Um, and that gave him power over those faults because those faults yes. no longer ruled him. He didn't live in fear, right? He didn't live in shame. Ugh. My so, favorite quote of the whole book is the one after that happens. So we'll, I think we'll close out uh, with this quote and any last thoughts. Uh, thanks so much for for reading this book and chatting about it with us. I, it really meant a lot to me, you, you guys. <laughs> I really, I, I love this book. <laughs> it's a good one. I didn't know if that was for uh, us or the listeners. Well, Both. <laughs> I include them because I, I hope that they've listened to my, my, my begging that they've read this book. I mean, if they've listened to the past, you know, uh, over an hour, I, I, I would hope that maybe. 
this is, I think, the thesis, and it always sticks with me. It did when I was 14, 13, whenever it was, and I think it will stick with me my entire life. And it's, it's stuck with me specifically to where I am in my life right now, and, you know, just navigating the world as it is in the current times. In these turbulent times. Ged had neither lost nor won, but naming the shadow of his death with his own name had made himself whole. A man who, knowing his whole true self, cannot be possessed or used by any power other than himself, and whose life therefore is lived for life's sake, and never in the service of ruin or pain or hatred or the dark. Read this book! If you're like me and you don't love reading, listen to it, right? Like, I I will say... It took me a little bit to like train my brain to listen to an audiobook. It always does. Yeah, it is it is such a solid book and just alone the philosophies in it are so good. Right? Like sometimes books have shitty things. Yeah. Right? That they're trying to say without actually saying it. It's just because somebody believes something shitty that was writing it. That's fine. This to me is one of those books that like I read it and I was like, it was similar to how I felt when I read Les Mis, where I was just like, I feel like a better person in some ways because like of the quotes I took time to write down. It's just, I I think it's a really, really incredible book. Yeah. If in these terrible times you're like, man, I just want to read something with a little bit of magic that like, you know, is wizards battling their own self issues. Um, instead of like, it's, it's like if Gandalf was fighting the Balrog, but the Balrog was like the fact that he like cheated on his wife, right? Like, like, <laughs> or, fear like death or, it's, or fear of death, right? Or anything, right? But it's so cool that like so much of the, in, the conflict in this book is internal. It's probably because I'm a sucker for Superman, but I love the characters that like have all the power. And the, the real question is like, do you choose to use it? Read it. My last thought is is that in fantasy, the world is the character. The world is the character's internal journey. And I think that that is a much more satisfying way to look at my life and the, the life of the people that I know and the people that I love is that what they are doing is the point. And they are the point. And we are the point. And it, there's nothing that we can do to really... Uh, fuck that up for ourselves, except make it hard and and make our lives more closed off, more quiet, more muted, more pained, and more uh, silent. I love this book because it is a journey in the same way that our lives are. I'm a wizard, basically. <laughs> basically. No. I knew it, that was coming. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, I completely agree. And going back to that last quote I just read, I think... The themes of knowing your true self is to know the world, to know everything around you, the good and the bad, and to see in even the people you may not like yourself, you know, see yourself in the people that that bring out the worst in you. And I feel like Ursula was so good at writing that and bringing that to life. And it's a great thing to think about. I'm just excited to read more of these. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, coming out of this book, I am so excited to see what the rest of the world has to offer because while we've seen so much of it in this book i i cannot wait to find out how more of it unfolds all these things beautiful 
Find your veg. <laughs> Don't do life alone. Find your veg. Love your veg. Show yourself to them fully and don't regret it. Hell Love yeah. Love your veg. Your Love your veg. Find, oh, long live veg. Protect your OTEC. Protect them. Give them armor. Raise their armor class. <laughs> Give them more hit points. Give them buffs. <laughs> <laughs> Rock the sun, man.